0: Initiative is key. Initiative is is underlooked. Um, you know, it's no longer enough to remain competitive by doing what you're told to do or doing what's expected of you. Right? You've got to uh, do above and beyond what's expected of you.
1: How's it going, guys? And welcome to another episode of Secrets of Silent Success. Today, we have the one and only Zachary Williams. How are you doing this Thursday evening? I'm doing excellent, I'm doing good, excellent. Good, good. So we'll, we'll, we'll jump right into it. Tell us who Zach is and tell us a little bit about your upbringing.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a question, right? I'm ever-evolving as a person. There you go. Um, but uh, where I'm from is New York City. Uh, born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Um, was fortunate enough to come from a two-parent household. Uh, my dad's an immigrant from guatemala uh, blue-collar guy self-made uh, entrepreneur uh, he was a mechanic owned a gas station in the 80s and 90s so i was able to watch him uh, make something of himself and my mom's a registered nurse by trade gotcha. so grew up in a household with the both of them and they just impressed upon us the importance of education didn't matter what you were doing Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they didn't care about your athletic prowess or uh, your athletic endeavors, uh, the core of what we were raised on was uh, the importance of getting your education because my dad didn't go to college. Sure. And so his opportunities were limited to what he could do with his hands. And, you know, uh, later on in life, my mom went to college and so uh, showed us the importance of actually being able to get an education.
1: Gotcha, you, gotcha. So you talked about the importance of education, but you were a top athlete, right? You played basketball at Ohio State, then on the right state. How did yeah. you balance being that D1 college athlete and your academics, yeah. especially when you come from a background, a household will push academics?
0: Yeah, it wasn't a balance at the time. <laughs> you know, it's one of those situations where you know you got to maintain a certain grade point average yeah. in order to play, and you know if you're not actually performing well. Uh, in a classroom, it's going to serve as a distraction in sure. terms of your ability to actually perform on, the, on a basketball court. So for me, it was just about getting into a regimen of doing what needed to be done and adhering to certain disciplines uh, so you can perform at a high level uh, in both places. You know, So yeah, it wasn't really real balance. At the time, it was like, nope, this got to get done, so you, you just do what you, gotta do. Gosh,
1: you got to do. Gotcha, gotcha. For any student athletes that may be out there watching or someone who may be working, and trying to manage their studies. What were some of those disciplines and techniques that helped you focus and, and, and be successful at both?
0: Um, you know what, it's uh, just being uh, very intentional about both, both yeah. things, right? Because performing in a classroom, you got to put in the time and the effort. It's yeah. just the bottom line. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's there's no, Uh, There's no shortcut to anything that you're doing, whether it be academically or athletically. And so just availing yourself of the resources that you have. um, When you play at a high level uh, in in college, um, there's no shortage of counselors and people that are willing to help you with your academics if that's an area where you seem to be struggling. Uh, And the same is true uh, in your particular sport of interest. Taking initiative, I think, is something that's undervalued. Right? Uh-huh. Raising your hand before you're called upon, <laughs> yeah. uh, I would say that's one of the, the sort of nuggets, if you will, is take initiative both academically and athletically um, to, to gain an edge or to move yourself towards the things that you're actually trying to accomplish.
1: Gotcha, you, gotcha. You. So I'm sure sports has been and, and probably still is a big part of your life, right? Mm-hmm. So, what are some things that you learned? on the playing field at practice that you have applied to be successful in in corporate America and in the business world? Yeah,
0: you know, let me think about that because (laughs) I don't want to give you the cliche responses. Yeah. Um, I think one of the most important things I learned was the importance of preparation. And uh, I'll get a little bit more granular on that. Um, Every single practice was filmed. Every single game was filmed. And uh, film sessions were mandatory. Mm -hmm. So every single thing that we did was scrutinized. And so the preparation and being able to evolve, right, and to take criticism, yeah. that's a big one. Yeah. I think a lot of times um, you don't develop the ability to take criticisms and you know colloquially you think everybody's a hater who's trying to <laughs> offer you some opposition or, or perspective other than your own. So I think playing at that level really taught me the importance of preparation, the the you know, willingness to take criticism. Uh, and to when you know better to do better.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. So you talk about preparation, obviously in sports, that's film study, that's physical practice, that's in the weight room, that's conditioning. What does proper preparation look like on the business side of things?
0: Um, I think first and foremost, whatever you endeavor to do in business, you gotta know your business. Okay. You know, you gotta know your product, you gotta know your service, you gotta know your customer, really understand the ecosystem that you're involved in, just like you would in sports, right? Yep. Um, the, the the landscape and the baseball and rules and regulations are different than they are in basketball, different in, in, in football and et cetera. So I think business is the same thing. You gotta understand the game that you're actually playing. Yep. Uh, before you, uh, really focus on drilling down on what your role is per se in that in that arena really focusing on what game i'm actually playing what are the nuances or the rules and regulations that govern this space so i can then achieve a certain level of mastery in that domain um you got to study you got to really study your business you know and and that could be all encompassing with your product your service your target demographic um, what it is that they want, anticipating their needs, so on and so forth, so that you're prepared for those things.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. So you talked about mastery in your domain. And your domain is sales, mm-hmm. right? So tell me, how did you get into a career in sales? Uh,
0: I mean, I think I've, I felt like I've been a salesman my whole life, right? Okay. My, my dad was the biggest, uh, I think the, the biggest proponent of getting into sales, because I, I observed him um, running his own business as an entrepreneur and how important it was for him to take care of his customers. Yeah. And so I, I really, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was observing that dynamic and there was something about that dynamic that I enjoyed. Um, and my dad was in control of his own destiny. He worked a lot, but he didn't have to answer to anybody. And I liked his ability to, to be flexible with his time, uh, to be in control of his own money. Um, and so it was something that I admired um, growing up. But sales, yeah, sales, you, you, it's one of those things. It puts you in the driver's seat, you know, in terms of, you know, achieving some level of financial freedom. Uh, whatever you put in is what you get out, you, go. you know, <laughs> and I loved, I love that whole concept of sowing and reaping. And sales is, is, is a perfect, you know, sort of domain for you to actually learn those things in.
1: Gotcha, you, gotcha, you, gotcha. You. So. You've had a successful career in sales and you've actually reached the VP of sales at a major medical company. What was that moment like to to get that position?
0: Um, It was emotional. (laughs) It was emotional. It was emotional. Um, You know, I enjoyed a good cry on the way home. um, Once I received uh, the title of VP of sales and, you know, I think more than the title, um, it was about Getting to a level and proving to yourself that there was something that you could accomplish because I think everybody everybody who's successful um, Is challenged or plagued with their own insecurities their own inadequacy regardless of how they're showing up in the marketplace sure. it's overcoming those those voices within yourself and Proving yourself right right It's feel the fear and do it anyway. So that was a very emotional uh, time for me when I received uh, that that title and all the, the stewardship responsibility that came with that. <laughs> um, but now it was definitely an emotional, very serendipitous time, very nostalgic time for me.
1: Gosh, you got you. Now you talked about the stresses and expectations that, that come with that. Mm-hmm. So, all right, you got that position, but how did you deal with that stress and, and those expectations that came with the position?
0: You know, what, the stress is the stress is the stress. I think it's normal. Sure. Um, but I didn't really feel any sort of pressure to perform. Um, Because I realized that it wasn't me doing it on my own, you know I wouldn't be in the position that I was in if not for the people that uh, I was leading and If the people you know don't feel heard Supported and appreciated by you then you're not going to be able to perform anyway I don't care who you are and so I learned very early on in my career that the pyramid is actually upside down, right? I'm not at the top of that pyramid. I'm actually at the bottom, serving a group of individuals that I'm trying to mobilize towards a very specific outcome. So I just really focused on inspiring, motivating, and leading the people by example where I could, and um, you know, I, I was able to benefit from a lot of the things that we were able to accomplish.
1: You got you, got you.
0: So you talked
1: about being that V.P. sales for a major medical company. And you are a black male that was a VP of sales at a major medical company. What did it mean to you as a black male to be in that position? Because a lot of times it's not people that look like you and I that are sitting at those tables. Yeah. So, I have an opportunity to sit at that table. What did that mean Yeah, for
0: you? I'd say now, in retrospect, um, I have a better appreciation for what I had accomplished at that time. But while I accomplished it, that really wasn't in the forefront of my mind, right? It wasn't about, Um, the lack of representation in the executive positions within that particular domain, I never really even saw it that way. Um, And it's only now in retrospect that I'm like, nah, you should appreciate actually what you were able to accomplish because um, a lot of the people that I used to to lead have now since reached out to me African Americans and said, you know, I needed to see you. I needed to see an example, someone who looked like me Uh, who I could relate to in that position to believe that that was something that I could aspire to as well. And so I've now really become a lot more intentional about like, all right, you know, (laughs) that comes with a a, a certain responsibility of those coming behind you. So it was an amazing feat nonetheless. um, But I only have an appreciation appreciation for it now in hindsight. Uh, having done it and, and, uh, you know, represented myself in such a fashion in that arena as an African American.
1: What are three things that you do habitually in the professional realm that you think has aided your success?
0: Three things that I do habitually. Uh, I read. I'm a ferocious reader, okay. you know. Okay. What, what, have you,
1: what have you read lately? You um,
0: have? So uh, one of the, the books that I read recently was um, Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun? Yep. And yep. that was amazing. That was eye opening because I didn't even know about uh, that book. I'd say working out. Um, I'm, I'm pretty fanatical when it comes to that. I can almost look at various stages in my life when I'm dialed in. Uh, to working out and pretty regimented, how that affects how I show up in the workplace. Um, there's a direct correlation to operating suboptimally versus uh, operating at an optimal level uh, when I'm locked in, in terms of my fitness. Um, so those are, those are really two things, reading, uh, working out, and then I say reflection. Reflection is, is key. You know, the, doing inventory, um, really checking in with myself about where, I, where I'm at and what's actually going on Uh, internally because, you know, as a leader, when you're stewarding uh, a large organization or or you have people that report to you, um, you want to be careful not to bleed on them. And if you don't take inventory, whatever's going on in the inside, you're ultimately going to transfer uh, to your team. So it's it's important, you know, self-care, taking inventory and, and checking in with yourself and seeing what's going on with you. Uh, because that dictates how you actually show up in the marketplace. Sure, sure. You talk about self-care. I think that's important for entrepreneurs, for those in
1: sales, that those who are really grinding out there. Yeah. Um, how did your days look like when you first got into sales? Was it all work and no play? And how do your days look now? How, how do you balance?
0: Yeah. Um, you know what? Uh, when I was really getting after it, it was like I celebrated uh, the lack of sleep. You know, it was 5 a.m. every morning. I started a 5 a.m. club. I had a couple of people who would get up at 5 a.m. and uh, we would hold each other accountable. And so I would really get after it. I'd work out uh, at 5 a.m. I'd be out of the gym by about 6, 6.30. Uh, by about that time, make a shake, shower, check emails. I'd really try to get all of my things off, of, off off of my checklist before my team got in the office at 8 or 9 and got up and running so I could make myself available to solve problems rather than being inundated with all the things that I needed to get done. Um, And then I would burn the candle at both ends, you know, just really uh, work really, really late hours. Um, Now, (laughs) now (laughs) I value sleep. I (laughs) value sleep. You know, I can't tell you enough how many things that I've been plagued with in terms of problems that I needed to solve that I was that I was able to solve in my sleep. Just by getting a good night's rest, wow. recharging, and certain things would sort of rise to the surface that are actually solutions that stay that are in your subconscious. That if you would just get some sleep, uh, you'd be able to reapproach that situation with a different perspective, uh, completely recharged, and it can change the trajectory of whatever situation that you're in. So, so when it
1: comes to sales, there's numbers that you have to hit, right? So yeah. talk to me about goal attainment. What was your
0: strategies? Yeah, I think when you, when you have any goal, um, the, the key is to um, figure out a couple of things. This is exactly how i would manage my team, <laughs> right? So I'd say step number one, right? What is the goal, right? What are we actually trying to accomplish and why? Clarify that. I think um, step two is do you have all of the resources that you need to be successful for the Mm -hmm. successful attainment of this goal. Um, Three was, are we clear on the time horizon? When this needs to be done? (laughs) Um, And uh, once we had established those things, then four was, what's the actual plan? What's the actual strategy that we're going to lend ourselves to while in pursuit of this goal? Once you have those sort of four bases covered, you know, unless something unforeseen happens, uh, Mm -hmm. you should typically uh, accomplish the goals that you set out to accomplish. So um, clarifying um, what the goal is, why we're actually trying to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish. Two, do we have the resources that we need? Three, is there an agreeable time horizon Uh, (laughs) upon which we need to accomplish that goal? And do we have a plan or a strategy to get there? Um, And so, you know, hoping and wishing and praying doesn't work. In corporate America <laughs> you know you have to produce yeah and so um, those are the four things that I, I typically would employ uh, to make sure that we were successful in hitting our goals
1: gosh gotcha, you gotcha so so once you do hit your goals once you do produce as you just said mm-hmm. then you have this I guess I made it moment or did you have an I made it moment and if you oh. did how did other people uh, reflect upon that
0: Yeah. I, you know, I think I made it is a very relative thing. (laughs) I've come to understand it as such. Um, my, my made it moment. Um, I was grinding for so many years and I'll sort of back up a little bit. So when, as soon as I got out of college, my goal was always to play in the NBA. I didn't make it to the NBA. I ended up playing basketball professionally over in Europe. Okay. And when I was in Europe, It basically, I played uh, professionally over in Europe for five years. So by the time I got back to the United States, I was behind the eight ball. I was about another five or six years behind my graduating class. Okay. And so I felt like I had to really work harder Mm -hmm. to catch up or to close the gap, if you will. And so, man, I didn't do a whole lot of vacationing. Uh, There wasn't a whole lot of drinking taking place. There wasn't a whole lot of going out. I was grinding for about ten years straight. And, um, you know, the goal was to become a millionaire. And, uh, you know, suffice to say, I had that day where, you know, I I checked that bank balance and I was a single digit millionaire for the first time. Um, That wasn't a version of an I made it moment, Um, but it's relative because you strive all of your life to get to a certain point and you realize like, all right, this new, this new found uh, appointment in life comes with a different palette, comes with a different uh, lifestyle, comes with different life experiences. And so you're more expansive in your thinking as well as the things that you want now. There you go. <laughs> um, so, you know, you keep moving the puck or the goalposts, if you will. But yeah, that, that was great. That moment with my mom, you know, I, had, I hid it from my family for a couple of months and um, just sort of coming into grips with, you know, this sort of newfound wealth and what did it actually mean and what was I gonna do? Um, But yeah, having that moment with my mom where I was able to uh, open up my bank account and show it to her and, (laughs) and, uh, you know, her crying because she, my mom was one of those people that have always believed in me my whole entire life. And so uh, sharing that experience with her was dope.
1: It was a dope moment for me. You talked a lot about different financial investments and things that you're planning to do. And before the camera started rolling, we were talking about financial literacy, financial independence. What does that mean? Uh, for you, but also what does it mean for the African-American community and for minorities? You're talking about investing in minority businesses. What is? I didn't even hear the word financial freedom or literacy, so I was out of college, right? Yeah. So yeah. what does yeah. that mean, and, and, and how are you spreading that message?
0: You know, um, financial literacy, uh, I'll tell you here, as, as of late, uh, Earn Your Leisure uh, podcast Pop. has been huge. It's like a life class yes. uh, to me and someone um basically putting certain financial terms in layman's terms yep and um you know packaging it up in a way that i that is palatable you know because i think the biggest uh barrier for me in terms of financial literacy in the past has been the lack of trust in financial institutions financial advisors (laughs) so on and so forth who's a fiduciary (laughs) uh, you know i'm like you know do they really have my best interest at heart or um, am I going to be misinformed and then you know out of a lot of money as, as a result of it? So I've done a lot of uh, educating myself uh, as far as that's concerned. Um, and then I think too, you know generationally speaking, um, you've got to pay it forward. You know be willing to educate other people on not only your your successes but your mistakes that you've made right So they don't have to step on those landmines as well.
1: gotcha. gotcha. I appreciate your
0: time this evening. I appreciate appreciate your time.
1: I got got one more uh, more question for you. You're the sales guy, right? I'm an entrepreneur, so by default I'm in sales. Mm -hmm. What sales strategies do you have?
0: Sales strategy, Um, no gimmicks, no tactics, no techniques. Um, Do everything in the spirit of candor and everything in the spirit of integrity. You know, if you are showing up authentically as yourself, um, I think the four agreements is perfect. For anybody getting into sales uh, and life in in of itself, if you're not familiar with it, right? I've heard it twice in the last two yeah. days. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, it was one of those things where I'm like, man, I'm, I, I wish I would have wrote that book, you know, because it's be impeccable with your word. Uh, never take anything personally. Never make any assumptions and always do your best. Wow. Like if you just lived your life that way yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the right? yeah, yeah. Life, life would actually the rest would speak for itself i'd say when you're in sales um i learned this lesson early on and uh it wasn't about getting something right i started out that way right i gotta get this sale i gotta get this sale i gotta make this sale uh i shifted there was a paradigm shift that occurred early on where i started realizing the importance of giving giving, right? I just simply had to ascertain what it is that this person needed and wanted and connect the dots to what it is that I was actually offering, yep. product or service. Um, so I'd say focus uh, more so on, not only just studying your craft, but focusing on your customer, right? Once you figure out what somebody wants and you're in a position to give it to them, you'll always be successful in sales, right? But the te- the, the I think the gimmicks, the the tactics the techniques and and sort of this culture of manipulating people or persuading people to do what you want them to do as opposed to just making room for an equitable exchange yep. whereby you help them get what they want um, i think once you go into sales with that specific focus in mind you'll always be successful
1: gotcha. yeah i think it was zig ziglar that said if you want to get what you want help enough people get what they want correct that's that, that simple.
0: So, uh, simply profound, you know? You cool, cool.
1: Cool, man. That's all I had. I appreciate your time.
0: I ah, appreciate your time. Much success and, and best of luck to you guys with what you're doing. I'm uh, humbled that you guys thought of me for, for a segment and uh, look forward to seeing you guys' continued success. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Awesome. Take care.